Today we are wrapping up the Christmas season. The, the dinners sadly are all over. The gifts uh, have all been given. The trees are coming down. The decorations are going uh, slowly back into their boxes. And we are wrapping up the season and we are moving on. Uh, here at the church we've gone through our seven sermons uh, on the Christmas hymns, the Christmas carols that we did on Sunday night, uh, great messages that we found there. We heard the Christmas sermon last week from John chapter 1. Uh, we've had our candlelight Christmas Eve service. Uh, next week, we're going to go back to our study in Acts, and we are moving on as well. The season has come and gone, and we are moving on. But before we do, I want to remind us of some things from Christmas as we move forward. And that's what I want to take this hour to do. I want to remind us of some things about Christmas uh, as we turn and as we begin to move forward. Here's the truth this morning. The events of Christmas change everything. And so for believers, the remembrance of the events of Christmas should therefore influence everything. Now, I want you to hear that again. I think that's pretty smart. I, I thought of that yesterday. Uh, the events of Christmas change everything and therefore, for believers, the remembrance of the events of Christmas should influence everything. Now, what that means very simply is, if we understand what the events of Christmas entail, we should not be able to go back to business as usual. If we have paid attention, if we truly understand what it is we have celebrated, we should not be able, in fact, we wouldn't have the desire to go back to Business as usual. Today our message is entitled, Christmas as Usual. We're going to be in Luke chapter 20, Luke chapter 2, verses 16 through 20. Luke chapter 2, verses 16 through 20. Christmas as usual. I would ask if you would stand with me in the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 2, beginning here in verse 16, and it says this. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in a manger. When they had seen this, they, had made, they made known then the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen just as had been told them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we're thankful for you. We rejoice in you. We rejoice in the hope that we have, the forgiveness of sin that we have, the peace that we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we're thankful for the days that we've had, the weeks that we've had where we've thought about your birth. We've thought about you taking on skin like our skin, that we would have a Savior. Lord, I pray today that you would speak to us, that you would lead us, that you would teach us as we study your word. I pray that today we would grab a reminder that we would hold as we move back into normal life. Lord, we come today, we, we worship you, we exalt you, we thank you. Lord, I pray that you would be known in this service. I pray for one here that maybe, maybe several that do not know you. I pray that today in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus, the hearing of the good news of a Savior, that today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, we ask that you move in our midst. 
We love you. We worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now I want you to think about this. When we get to the point that we are in our verses today, in Luke chapter 2, the shepherds have heard the proclamation of the angels. Now that was a magnificent sight. We can't really imagine that. They have seen the angels. They have heard the angels. They've heard the proclamation from the angel, and that, that had to be a tremendous thing. They have then traveled into Bethlehem, and once they got there, they found the proclamation to be true. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby. It'll be wrapped in cloths there in a manger. Well, as they get there, they find that the proclamation is exactly true. It was exactly as the angel had said. They had reported to those that were in hearing, but specifically to Mary and to Joseph, what the angels had declared. This birth, this baby, was good news. And, and the good news would be for all people, not just for some, but for all people. And the good news of the birth of this very baby is that he is the Christ, he is the Messiah, he is our Savior. So they go and they find it just as the angel had said, and they, and they tell the good news that they had heard from the angel. This one is the Christ, the Messiah, our Savior. Now I want you to imagine as they talk to Mary, an angel told us, and she says, you know what, I, I had an experience with an angel, and she's thinking about all the things that that she knows an angel told us and, and they described the scene and, and that he is the Savior, our Savior born in the city of David and, and this is our Savior and, the, and all the while there is Jesus uh, there, there in the manger. This is our Savior and he moves and he, and he cries and he twists. This is him. This is our Savior. Can you imagine the scene? They're confronted with an angel. They hear the proclamation. They find the proclamation to be exactly true. They tell the good news to Mary and to Joseph. And then in verse 20, it says this. They go back. They go back. Let me ask you a question. How do you go back? How do you go back? After seeing what they had seen, all that they had seen, after hearing what they have heard, after knowing what they now know, how do they go back? And I read that verse and we come around and we're, we're rolling through the chapter and we get to that verse and say, yeah, they went back. How, how do they go back to their sheep? How do they go back to their work? How do they go back to their bedrolls and ever help hope to sleep again? How would they ever go back to life as it was? And yet verse 20 says, and the shepherds went back. Today we go back. Today life resumes for us and we go back. And as we do today, I want to remind us of four things. And more than that, I want to give us four things to remember, four truths to remember, to hold on to as we go back today. I'm going to tell you, I believe some of you, God brought you here today for this. And I believe God, God spoke this message to me, and I believe it's for me as well. Four things to hold on to, four truths to remember as we turn and go back. All right, here we go. 
First is this. Remember, the first thing, the fact of Christmas. We, as we go back, we're to remember the fact of Christmas. And the fact of Christmas is this. We have our Savior. We have our Savior. Friends, we need to remember this. We need to be resolved in this. We need to be sure and certain in this. We have our Savior. Today, right now, we have our hope. Today, we have our answer. Today, we have what we need. In fact, we have what, everything that we need. We have our Savior. Listen to me today. Be very sure of this. We're not looking for it. Sometimes we get pulled into the world's mindset and I'm going to say even us as believers, even us as Christians, we get pulled into the world's mindset and we say, yes, yes, we, we have Jesus. Yes he, yes, he was born for us on Christmas Day. Yes, yes, he's the reason for the season. But then we turn in these days and we wonder, what about real life? What about the world that we go back into? And we fall into the world's ways of looking for answers. And we, yes, we have a Savior. Yes, we have our, our, our Messiah, Jesus Christ. But we go back and say, yeah, but you know what? Now I need this thing to happen. Yeah, but now we need this politician to win. Yeah, we need this vaccination to become available or not become available. Yeah, we have a Savior, but you know what? I need financial relief, and I need it right now. Oh, yes, we have a Savior, but I need it to return to normal. If we could just go back to how it was last year, I need it to be normal again. Folks, the need of mankind, listen, is settled in Jesus. Take hope in that. In Jesus, we are secure. We need, we need to know as we go back, we need not worry. We need not panic. We not, need not scramble all around we have our Savior. I was remembering my old granny. Sometimes I think about her. I was thinking about her yesterday. And I picture her with her apron on, her rubber gloves she would put on to wash dishes. And I remember her at the sink there in her five-room house. And I can remember getting up from a nap, being a little kid and walking in there and she's got that apron and she's got those rubber gloves and she's standing there cleaning up from lunch and she's getting ready to start making supper and I can remember her singing. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Listen, as we move forward, we need to remember the fact of Christmas. We have our Savior. We have our Savior. Second truth, and it's tied very closely to that, is this. We need to remember as we move forward, we need to remember the result of Christmas. We need to remember the result, the product of Christmas. As we move forward, remember the result of Christmas, listen, is joy. Did you know that? That is the result. That is the product. That is what is produced by Christmas. It is joy. Joy is the fruit of Christmas. In Luke chapter 2, the angels say, we bring you good news. What does it say? 
of great joy, which will be for all the people. That's the message. There is good news. We have a Savior, and that news is to bring good joy for all the people. Listen, the result of having a Savior is joy. The end of the 20th verse, it says the shepherds go back, and it says they go back rejoicing in praising God. Now, they go back to their work. They go back to the sheepfold. They go back to the sheep there. They go back to their routine. Yes, it says they turn and they go back to it. But listen, they go back rejoicing and praising the Lord. They go back with joy. I looked it up. Do you know the word joy is found 182 times in this translation of the Bible? Some other translations have a few others or a few less. The word joy is found 182 times in this translation of the Bible. God tells us, in fact, part of the fruit of being saved and God living inside of us is joy. He says joy is one of the things that come out of us. Friends, we need to be sure we of all people are to be joyful people. And listen, not just at Christmas, not just in the cards that we send out, not just in the photos that we put on Facebook, we of all people are to be a joy-filled people. We have a Savior today. and Because we do, we have the forgiveness of sin. We have a Savior today, and because we do, we have the redemption of our souls. We have a Savior, and because we do, we have the restoration with a holy God. We, we have peace that endures today. Listen, the world can't even understand it. We have that kind of peace. We have a hope because we have a Savior that is well-founded. We have a foundation that is not rumbling, that is not cracking, that is not falling apart. We have a foundation that stands today because we have a Savior. We have an anchor that isn't pulled up. We're not tossed about. We have an anchor that holds because we have a Savior. Because of that, we of all people we have joy. Listen very carefully. The most hypocritical thing that we could do is to go back and to go back with no joy. The world says, you know what, I'd be a Christian, but y'all are all a bunch of hypocrites. They're usually talking about something else. But I want to tell you the most hypocritical thing we could do is to say we have a Savior born on Christmas Day, we have hope and we have peace, we have the forgiveness of sin, and to go back and to go back without joy. My old granny used to say, and I could see in her eyes, she had a couple people in mind when she said it, they look like they've been sucking on a persimmon. That's what she'd say. We'd be driving around, she'd say, well, there they are. They look like they've been sucking on a persimmon all foul and sour. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never tasted a persimmon, and I've never sucked on a persimmon for sure. Uh, probably for that reason, I didn't want to let Granny down. But how is it that some of the sourest, saddest, most defeated people are people professing to know the joy that we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ? We have our Savior, we have good news, and we should walk in great joy. Now listen, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, it's hard. We had, we had some folks that passed away this year. It's hard. 
There's some things we didn't see coming. It's hard. We're in a financial mess. It is hard. And you're going to say, it's tough. You're going to say, you know what? Here I am at this age, and it's not what I wanted. It's not what I ever planned that would happen. It's hard. I don't, I don't know how we got here. It's hard. And you're going to say, yes, I know I have a Savior, but it is hard. Well, let me tell you something this morning. Yes, it is hard. I know it's hard. But if we will fix our eyes on Jesus, on our Savior, if we will remember the truth of our salvation, if that will be our mindset, our hearts will fill with joy. That is the difference. We get so bogged down thinking about this thing and this bad thing and this thing I don't like that we start to get robbed of our joy. We're to set our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith and when we do, our very countenance will change and we'll be filled with joy. That's the difference. I should move on right here, but I'm not. A couple weeks ago, I was reading the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah you read the account, Israel had come back to Jerusalem. And they come back, and that's a good thing. They're, they're, they're happy about that. But they come back to Jerusalem, and when they get there, the city they love, their beloved city, is in ruins. It's a heap. When they come back, the walls, the walls that had security, the walls that they were proud of, their walls are all broken down. When they get back, the task is very daunting. They start to look around. You ever get somewhere, and it's going to be so hard. It's going to be so long. You're not even sure where to start. And they look around. We could start over here, but the wall's broken down over there. We could start over here, but the gate's missing over there, and they're not even sure where to start. And the work is going to be hard, and it is daunting. All the while, the neighbors keep coming along, and the neighbors are threatening. The neighbors are, 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 are threatening them as they work, and the, the naysayers are all around them, and they are loud, and it is a depressing, hard time. You know what Ezra says? He says, the joy of the Lord is my our strength. That's what he says. You know what? He gets home, the city's a mess, and the walls are a mess, and the work is hard, and there's threats against their very lives. And he says, you know what? The joy of the Lord is my strength. What that means is how do we ever go on? How do we press on in this? How do we stand? Yes, even if it's hard, we have joy in our Lord. There's strength in that. So the first thing we remember as we move forward, we remember the fact of Christmas, we have our Savior. The second thing we remember, that we remember the result of Christmas, and that is joy. We're to have joy. We have reason. The third thing we remember as we go back, remember the duty of Christmas. The duty of Christmas. Remember the first evangelist in our verses the shepherds, they hear the good news, and what do they do? They take off and they go spread the good news. They hear the good news. The angel says, for today has been born for you a Savior. And they go and they find Mary and Joseph, and they are the first evangelists in our account, and they begin to tell the good news of who Jesus is. They tell them what the angel had told them. He is our Savior. He is the Christ, the Lord. Folks, be very sure today their example after his birth becomes our command after his resurrection. 
their example, what they do after his birth, it becomes our command after his resurrection, and we have a duty to tell a lost and dying world about the hope that we have in our Savior. Listen, you have a duty to tell a lost world about the hope that we have in Jesus. Now, I'll just tell you, the world wants us to ignore that duty. The world's more than happy if we will. You can go to your church, and you can do all the church things, and you can do all that, but don't tell anybody about Jesus. The world's happy with that. I'll just tell you today, very sadly, the church doesn't mind if we overlook that duty. You know what? That makes me feel weird. You know what? That puts me in a hard spot. You know what? That, that requires me to commit. So the church, sadly, is glad if we'll overlook that duty and let, 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 yet listen to me, the lost world is a hopeless world. It is a hurting world. It is a struggling world, and the hope of it is our Savior, Jesus. What if I had a cure, and I'm talking for real, straight up. What if I had a cure for COVID? Whatever they unleashed over there in that deal in China, what if I had the real cure for it? And if you were to take it, it would eradicate it. If you were to take it, it would be gone. It's the cure for COVID. Or what if I had the cure for cancer? And I mean the actual cure. If I, I unleash this cure, you know what? The symptoms are gone, the, the, the death, all that stuff, the, the chemo, the treatments, it's all gone. I have the cure for cancer. I have it. And what if, for whatever reason, I decided not to tell you? And you're there and you're suffering and you're hurting, I decided not to tell anybody. You know what? I'm not going to tell anybody. I've got the cure, but, but you know what? It may be too simplistic. And if I tell you, here's the cure, you'll say, well, that's not the cure. That's not scientific. We can't believe that. If I tell you, you know what? I've got the, the cure, it may upset Pfizer because it would suggest, well, their vaccine's not needed. It might suggest, you know what, they're wrong in their answer. And so, you know what, I better not tell anybody. You know what, if I tell somebody the answer, it may cost me too much. It may be more than I'm willing to bear. It may cost me too much. And what if I decided not to tell you, here is the cure? It'd be heartless. It'd be terrible. It may even be criminal, I don't know. It'd be sorry, I can tell you that. Don't we agree the world needs a Savior? Is that just a bunch of baloney? Call me when you're in a tough spot. Don't, don't we actually believe the world needs a Savior? Don't we believe the world is lost and helpless and hopeless without a Savior. Do you think, you know, if somebody else will come along and they'll, they'll get a good job, something will pay off, it'll turn and go their way. Do you actually believe the world is lost and helpless and hopeless outside of Christ? Don't we believe that this is the answer? Do we actually believe that? Really? Then how terrible and how heartless and maybe even how criminal and for sure how sorry we wouldn't tell them. Oh, it, it may seem dumb. It may seem dumb, that answer. It may be abrasive to some. It may show them their way's wrong. It may tell them, you know what, there's not an answer where you're looking. It may cost us. It may be more than we're willing to pay. 
I want to tell you, friend, the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, he is the way, he's the only way, he's the truth and the life. John chapter one, verse six, the Bible tells us there's no other name that's been given among men, not a single other name by which we must be saved. Acts chapter four, verse 12. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing. That's the means that we receive it. And hearing the word of God, the Bible tells us we are ambassadors of the good news as if God himself were making an appeal through us. We have a duty moving on. We have a duty moving on. I thought about this for a second. Think about those shepherds. They went on back to keeping sheep, went back and got the campfire stirred back up, went back and went back to life. Do you think they were silent from then on? I thought about that. I, I don't know, but here, here's what I think, and maybe I'm just crazy. I don't think they ever quit talking about that. And I think if you ran into those shepherds 14 years later, I don't know what they'd be doing. They'd be older. Maybe, they, maybe they're tired of keeping those sheep. But I think they would say, you know what, one night we were out about a mile from here. We were out one night and an angel of the Lord came. And you know what we found? We have our Savior, the one the world's been looking for. He is Christ our Savior. And they, I think they would never get over talking about that. I can't imagine that enough time would go by, that enough things would happen, that they would get so mundane in that event that they would ever quit talking about that. In fact, I bet those folks got sick of those shepherds. Let me tell you about the angels. Let me tell you about the baby. Let me tell you about our Savior. I don't think they ever got over talking about Jesus. We have a duty as followers of Jesus Christ. The world will perish outside of him. We have a duty. And so remember, the fact of Christmas, we have our Savior. Remember the result of Christmas, we are to be filled with joy. We have joy. Remember the duty of Christmas that we would tell others. We could end it there. I almost ended it right there. But there's one more. And it's awesome. And there's one more. And it's needed. And there's one more, and it feeds the other things. There's one more, and that is this. The promise of Christmas. As we turn and go back to the things that we came from, as we turn and go back we have to remember the promise of Christmas. As we go back, let us remember the promise of Christmas. We have to. And that is this. Jesus, just as he came the first time. Do you believe that? Listen, I'm talking. Do you, do you, do you believe that he really came the first time? Do you really believe? Are you convinced? It's not just tradition. It's not your environment. It's not what your parents did. Are you convinced that there was a baby born in Bethlehem in the city of David? Are you convinced that he was the Savior promised all the way from Genesis? Are you convinced that he was perfectly in the line of David? Are you sure about that? Are you convinced that that event happened? Are you really convinced Well, the promise of Christmas 
is that just as he came the first time, listen to me, he is coming again. That's the promise of Christmas. Just as he came the first time, just as you're sitting here and you're saying, yes, I am sure, just as he came the first time, he is coming again. Let me tell you, one of the crazy things that I wonder as I read this account is how in the world did they miss it? That's what I wonder. You ever wonder that? How did they miss it? God told them, God said, trust my word, this is what's gonna happen. The prophets told them. He told them to to look for it. He told them the facts of it. He told them the details of it. He told them you can expect it. Yet the priests missed it. The scribes, the ones that had the word of God, the scribes, they had the prophecies. They missed it. The Pharisees, the ones that were experts, surely they'll not miss it. The experts, they missed it. In fact, they fought against it. The Bible says the entire nation, how does a nation looking for the Christ miss the Christ when he comes? They missed it. Do you know today, the prophecies fulfilled in the first coming are just sure evidence of his coming again. And that's, that's what I want us to remember as we go out of this season. The prophecies, each one, each prophecy fulfilled perfectly in Jesus, they testify that he is coming again. And just as the first time it was announced he would come as a suffering servant, the Bible says the next time he will come not as a suffering servant, but he will come as an exalted king. That's what the Bible says. Just as he came the first time to seek and to save that which was lost, he came as the savior. The Bible says he will come the next time as the righteous judge. Just as he came the first time to be rejected, it was already foretold he would come into his own and they wouldn't know him. Just as he came to be rejected, the next time the Bible says when he comes, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Just as the first time that he came, he came on a lowly little donkey. The Bible said that was gonna happen and he plods into Jerusalem in humility. The Bible says the next time he comes, he won't come on a little donkey, but it'll be a great white horse for all the world to see his power and his might. That's what the Bible says. Just as he came the first time as a lamb, behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. He came as a perfect lamb, mild and meek and perfect to take our sins to the altar The Bible says the next time he will come as a shepherd, the great shepherd, and he will gather his sheep together and he'll lose not even one. Just as it said, the Bible said that he would be born in the little town of Bethlehem. The Bible says the next time he will come, he will stand on the Mount of Olives. Acts says, and this one has been taken up from you, will come in the same way, just like them. We actually know where he's coming back to. Just like the prophet said, he would be born In the line of David, we know the next time he will rule eternally on the throne of David and the government he will have no end. Just like the first time it says they would esteem him not, they would count him stricken. The next time the Bible says 
On his head will be many diadems. And on his robe and on his thigh will say, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I want you to hear me today, friend. The realities of the first coming are the certainties of his next coming. And Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. That's the promise of Christmas. And so we go back. Yes, we go back. But we go back knowing, yes, he came the first time. Yes, we have a Savior. Yes, we're filled with joy. Yes, we have a message to declare. But we do it in the light of the truth. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And so as we go back, it is a fact, yes, we have a Savior. As we go back, we have joy unspeakable. As we go back, we have a duty. May we be faithful to it, to a lost and dying world. And as we go back, we have the promise. Jesus is coming again. And so we go back. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. All glory be to Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And I'm so thankful that we, we stand as a hope-filled people, not because of the world's circumstances, not because of our intellect, or our strength, but in the finished work of a risen Savior, Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful that we have peace today. We can have it, not as the world gives, and whatever our finances are, whatever our relationships are, whatever troubles we find ourselves in, we have peace settled in Jesus. Lord, we thank you for that. And most of all, we have salvation, a Savior, a Redeemer, forgive us of our sins, to restore us in our relationship with a holy, perfect God. We have a Savior. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you. I pray two things. Lord, I pray as we go back that we would go committed to the message, filled with joy, full of hope, looking to the promise. Lord, I pray for someone here that doesn't have that hope, that doesn't share that promise, Lord, I pray that today in the preaching of the gospel and the hearing of the good news, that today might be the day of their salvation. Stir in their hearts. Remove any hindrance. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they are saved. Lord, I pray for another group. Maybe there's some here today and they do know you. They've become burdened and bogged down in the cares and the thoughts of this world, the distractions, the hurt of Satan. I pray that today in this message they would be renewed as well. And I pray that all of it would be for your namesake and for your great glory. Lord, we love you today. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.